Welcome to No More, Risk Better, a Credit Sites podcast. I'm Winnie Caesar, the Global Head of Strategy. And I'm Zach Griffiths, the Credit Sites Senior Investment Grade Strategist. As strategists, we aim to make sense of the macro and the micro, highlighting opportunities and the risks facing the fixed income markets. As important as the macro call may be, we understand that credit investing at its core comes down to keen single name selection, and we at Credit Sites benefit from the expertise of our team of over 100 analysts across the US, Europe, and Asia. This podcast offers a look at the conversations that we have with our analysts on a regular basis. If you are an investment professional focused on the wide universe of fixed income, you'll want to give this podcast a listen. Hi, everyone. This is Winnie Caesar, Global Head of Strategy for Credit Sites. And today I am delighted to be joined by Jordan Chelson. He is our senior technology analyst who leads coverage efforts for the sector. And there is a lot going on in the world of tech this year. So I am really looking forward to our conversation. Jordan, thanks for joining me today. Thanks for having me. Pleasure to be here, Winnie. Well, it's a pleasure now. We'll see how we fare (laughs) after our discussion. So let's get right into it. If you could have a sneak peek at any piece of economic, credit market, sector-specific data for 2023, what would you want to see and why? So might be a, a little bit of a lame answer, but the future path of that funds rate, I think, is really important for everyone, but I, I think particularly in tech. Basically, that WIRP screen that you're familiar with in Bloomberg, it obviously encompasses a lot, but tech is, on the equity side, it's a very, very long duration sector. And so the level of interest rates obviously dictate asset prices and whether or not a Fed pivot is coming and how hard that is. I think is really relevant for the sector. And then we'll trade to a certain extent in sympathy with the equity, but also the equity movements will impact real credit things in the sector, like share buybacks and capital allocation policies and how aggressive the companies are being with cost reductions and things like that. So for me, it's most important. Yeah, I would too like to figure out where we're going with Fed funds. My job as a strategist a lot easier. It feels like we're getting closer to know, but with every piece of economic data, things change a little bit. So let's move into your recommendation. You just laid out a lot of reasons for some uncertainty in your sector, but we're not wildly negative on the sector. How are you positioning for 2023 in technology? What are you telling investors for a sector allocation? Yeah, sure. On the IG side of things, we're, we're market perform. I would say that's a combination of technical and, and fundamental factors. GTech is generally pretty defensive, trades tight to the overall IG index. We're certainly on some shaky ground in terms of the overall economy. So at a minimum, we, will, we would want sort of a neutral positioning there. And then I think on the fundamental side, there's a lot of weakness in tech. You know, hardware is down significantly, like PC shipments and smartphones and whatnot. We're seeing an unwind of a lot of those transitory COVID trends that really boosted things in the sector. And then on the software and the cloud side, growth is slowing as well. So from a fundamental perspective, still a very defensive sector, things are moving in the wrong direction there. Yeah, it's interesting to me 
that we have that slowdown on the software side of things. But the hardware makes a ton of sense. We all went from buying all of our laptops and our standing desks and our monitors to not needing that. But the software side of things, it feels a little bit more like a head scratcher. Like, are businesses that concerned? Is, is it just kind of broader economic slowdown? Or, you know, were we clipping growth rates that just aren't sustainable? So I think what we see is companies were spending a lot on digital transformations, which is kind of a fancy way of saying that they were spending more than they needed, more than what's in front of them, trying to spend on these longer term initiatives, right, to modernize and go after revenue opportunities and things like that. And so on the cloud side, you know, customers are optimizing workloads. They're looking for ways to improve efficiency and reduce costs. Same thing on the software side. So a lot of it is recurring, but they're only going to spend what they need to spend as opposed to spending on those um, extra credit, we'll call them initiatives. And so that's driving the pressure year over year down. And a lot of those initiatives are getting delayed. So kind of kicking the can down the road. And then the other factor is on the per user stuff, there's been a ton of layoffs in tech. So there was an interesting stat that with all of Twitter's layoffs, they cut their, their bill for Salesforce from like $20 million that they were paying Salesforce to like 5 million because it said they laid off 75% of their staff. Uh, mm -hmm. So I think that's another thing that's impacting a little bit on the enterprise software. Obviously that's an extreme example, but uh, you know, those layoffs are, are sector-wide. Yeah, that's an interesting point. I hadn't thought about tech as being kind of this vicious cycle of both clients and providers. And when you get into that spiral of kind of negativity, it's hard to shake loose. Yeah. And look, it's still growing. Things like Salesforce historically growing at 20%, now it's growing at 10%. Or like a VMware that historically was growing at 10% is now flat. So I think the secular growth there is still intact, but we're certainly, what we're seeing this cycle is tech is not immune from the, from the broader economic cycle, whereas I think previously it held up a little bit better. That I think is a good segue to your expectations for the primary market and new issue. Tech has been a spender, right? We've seen a lot of issuance. We've seen a lot of M&A in the sector. What do you think about primary market activity in 2023? Are we going to continue to see tech companies tapping the market or is this going to be more of a let's kind of pause and, and work through these operational challenges? They are continuing to, to issue. So coming into the year, we had forecasted that issuance was going to be down. I mean, the tech was $100 billion last year. We had forecasted $75 billion for this year, but from my coverage or from our coverage alone at credit sites, we're at like $23 billion. So it's off to a, a really kind of a rapid start. So I think we would certainly have to revise our expectations higher, maybe something more flattish year over year. It's a combination of refi activity, M&A, CapEx needs. There's also a lot of shareholder activism in the space. They're piling into a lot of different names. So that's going to keep buybacks up and, and issuance as a result up as well. The one offsetting factor that we have is rates are obviously higher than most of last year. So some of those opportunistic deals, like the companies with tons of cash, their issuance may not be as large. They may use cash on hand 
uh, some posted debt for for some of their shareholder returns. Some of those kind of opportunistic deals might be smaller, but uh, you know we're certainly off to uh, a pretty brisk start of the year. Yeah, I mean we're definitely off to a brisk start on issuance and. I'm hoping that a lot of this is just a seasonal technical after we had kind of a donut of a December and then everyone came back to January, kind of all cashed up, ready to put money to work. And issuers generally kind of follow that demand. We always say supply follows demand and there's been pretty robust demand, but it does feel like there's some reasons for that to slow down a little bit. And I'd be curious on the tech side of things, how are you thinking about the outlook for ratings. We had a, a pretty notable downgrade last year with Oracle. Is there this kind of negative pressure on the ratings front? Are you worried about any sort of large tech fallen angels coming through the system this year? Or is it more of a kind of status quo outlook for ratings? That's a good question. Western Digital had a downgrade, which moved them out of one of the indices they might have another, that's a name that's at risk for another one. HP Inc. would potentially be at risk. Intel also potentially at risk. So there's a few names that, you know, not necessarily anything imminent, but a couple of names that could be at risk for lower ratings. Certainly there's a little bit of pressure on the high yield side as well. I'm not necessarily expecting any or calling for any drastic or imminent downgrades, but I think there's a few credits out there that are certainly susceptible to it. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And I think is very much in line with trends across sectors. Every analyst I talk to seems to have kind of one to three issuers where things have just gotten a little bit off kilter in terms of capital structure for the current economic environment or outlook. But it's not a sector-wide issue. Even in a sector like tech where there are these kind of widespread headwinds, it seems like balance sheets are in reasonable shape to absorb that. And much more, it's the equity story that we need to be concerned about. Although January, the equity story in tech was great. Absolutely. Everything was off to the races the first few weeks of the year. It was certainly risk on. And I agree with those sentiments in the investment grade. Balance sheets are really good. A lot of those were kind of repaired over the past few years, like during COVID, companies pushed out maturities and whatnot. The companies that had are seeing the more urgent liquidity needs, those are in high yield. Like, for example, Western Digital took some steps to sharp liquidity recently. Seagate is a little bit tight on liquidity. So it's mostly, I think, in that double B bucket and lower ratings. And the IG names are in pretty good shape. Well, that is reassuring to hear as a fixed income credit strategist. I did hear you mention the world of activist investors getting involved in tech. And I think that this is a topic near and dear to your heart because you are in charge of our activist monitor that we release on a quarterly basis. So how are you thinking about activist involvement in the tech sector? Is this something that is you know really unnerving to you or... What's kind of your outlook there? Thanks. Thanks for that. And we'll be out with that activist report in about a week. So stay tuned for that. Yeah, I think it brings it back to the earlier part of our conversation, right? Is that last year was a pretty weak year for tech companies. 
And it's created some opportunities, I think, on the equity side, which attracted a lot of value-oriented investors, which overlays with funds that have activism strategies as well. And so they're really getting into these names because they're attractively valued, but also a lot of them really have bloated expenditures, have hired at a rapid, rapid pace, like way too fast during the pandemic. So above normal growth. And a lot of these companies really haven't had to, to focus on belt tightening and cost reductions and optimizations and things like that, because the equity markets have given them a free pass and really kind of more focused on the top line figure. But now with the new interest rate environment, things are changing. And I that's a good thing. I think that these companies need to focus a bit more on costs and get more efficient. Your operations run smoother as well when you do that. So that could in turn help with the revenue side as well. And so I think activists, you know, the amount of activities and funds that are piling into individual names, I think is certainly a little bit eye-popping. And I think that's going to stay. I think it's going to take some time to, to work through all these issues. But I think that's and we're going to be talking about for the next few quarters for sure. I look forward to seeing what happens next there. I guess this is a, a good transition to the things that keep you up at night about your sector. If you know, if we're at kind of a market perform neutral recommendation, it does feel like we're kind of balancing these risks and valuations. But are there things that you feel like could kind of come out of left field and really throw your wreck off kilter? or just the sector as a whole, what keeps you up at night? So we already kind of talked about some of the obvious ones, like the activism and slowing growth and whatnot. I think that like tail risk that keeps me up at night is the US-China relations and what's going on in Taiwan, just given the dependency that tech has with this, you know, it's a global sector from a revenue perspective, but more importantly, from a supply chain perspective, highly dependent, particularly on the semiconductor side but also on the hardware side as well. Apple is the largest constituent in IG tech, and that's highly dependent there. So that's kind of the one thing that keeps me up at night. I would say everything that's going on the regulatory front, and there's a ton going on, that doesn't really keep me up as much. It's a lot of noise, but it should be relatively manageable from a credit perspective in terms of fines or behavioral remedies, or even if there are breakups, these companies, I think, can still stand and support their credit. So yeah, the US, China, and Taiwan is really, I would say, keeps me up the most. I think that that relationship is keeping a lot of people up lately. So you're not alone, even, even though it's <laughs> not focused exclusively on the tech sector. Yeah. I, I'm not taking any hot air balloon rights anytime <laughs> soon. I never wanted to take a hot air balloon to begin with. It does not seem like a fun idea to me. If you are out there and you've taken one and you have a, an opposite view of this, let me know. You no, know, I took one as a kid and my memory of it was it being extremely hot. <laughs> uncomfortably, uncomfortably. I generally try not to stand that close to fire. Yes. Plus being very high up in the air. I just, <laughs> Now to each their own, but it's not how I'm going to spend my leisure time for sure. So let's think about trade ideas, picks, pans, carry trades. Jordan, what are you telling investors that they should be looking at to start the year? So Meta's been a pick for us. It trades really cheap relative to ratings. 
spreads have come in a bit this year. It's now trading roughly in line with Intel, maybe still slightly outside IBM. I think there's a little bit more room to run in terms of spread compression. Uh, and generally a pretty good carry too, just in that sort of A-rated tier. Balance sheet's really strong. They've slashed their plans for CapEx and OpEx as well. So hopefully that will start bearing some fruit. And then also we're, everybody's kind of talking about the state of where things are with the economy and how things are kind of moving south. I think when things do eventually rebound, and they will eventually, I think digital advertising is going to be one of the first things that comes back because it's just so easy to turn on and off. So maybe we could look for some improvement in trends there, instead of being flat to slightly down in digital advertising. Like that should structurally be a be a growth market, and we'll get back there again. So I think that'll help support spreads as well as we get kind of moved to later in the year, be more of a kind of half type of catalyst than the first half, which will likely stay weak. You're a big fan of the metaverse, right? Spend all your time. <laughs> I do have an Oculus. Yeah, I've had it for years. I, I actually love it. And the company they just bought, the FTC, tried to block it within. So they have this app called Supernatural. That's like a workout app that I enjoy. So yeah, o Oculus is really cool. And they're coming out with a new version of the consumer Oculus later this year. I think that's part of the reason why the spend is so high in that reality lab segment. How much application it has for the business world, I think is way too hyped up, but it's cool from a consumer perspective. I love that you are putting your technology sector <laughs> where your mouth is. Yeah. You're an actual enthusiast of this. I don't think that I would be able to identify an Oculus in an array of things if you showed me them. I'd be like, is that your house keys? No, no, it's, it's big. It's, it's, you know, it's this big, funky, you know, thing that sits on your, on your face. But uh, yeah, no, I enjoy it. Do your kids use it? I've put it on them because they've begged, but it's like hard yeah. for them to keep it on their face because yeah. they're, they're small. They're like five and yeah. eight. Yeah. But they've used it and, and, and thought it was pretty cool and begged me to use it. But I don't know. I don't love letting them use it. So That's fair. So pick Meta. Do you have a pan? Yeah, I have a couple. So an IG FIS, otherwise known as Fidelity National Information Services, they just announced their spinoff uh, and really, really weak guidance for 2023. So we saw a little bit of a widening there. I think there's more to come. It still trades tight relative to its mid triple B ratings. And there's just a ton going on. You've got a couple activists in the name. You have a new chairman and a new CEO operational struggles. And then I thought what was really interesting is they just had their earnings call. And one of the questions was, hey, like you announced your spinoff, like, does this mean the strategic review is done? And the new CEO was basically like, no, we're still evaluating opportunities. Yeah. So there's that tail risk that I think that still remains is, could there be another breakup? Do they spin off or mm -hmm. sell another segment? And then what does that mean for scale and leverage? So not necessarily that being my base case, 
But mm-hmm. I think I think the risks are for widening as opposed to tightening here. So that's the pan I have in IG. And then Western Digital is another pan that's a crossover name um, with that kind of risk on environment that you mentioned to start with you. They saw some, but at the same time, their operations are going the other way. The guidance was really awful. And so I think that was sort of an opportunity for us to switch the rec and move to another perform. Leverage is going through the roof. And I think their hard disk drive business is going to be rebound. We're going to rebound and they're going to be fine. But the flash business, I think, is going to stay weaker for longer. And so for those reasons, we're underperform Western Digital. But we have a market perform on Seagate, which is more of a pure play HDD player, which we're more favorable on to the flash side of things. Great. So let's wrap it up. If you had any words of advice to give tech management teams in 2023, I'm sure that they are very eager for some help (laughs) navigating in this environment. What would you tell them? This recent shift that we've seen to focus on cost reductions, my advice would be, hey, just don't announce like one or two rounds of layoffs and exit some leases and, and call it a day. I think that there needs to be a mind mindset shift here to really make sure you're more agile, right? And just making decisions faster and kind of doing things more efficiently and doing more with less. So I think that needs to be a mindset shift change. They still need to invest in big bets, right? Mm-hmm. But those need to be sort of like calculated decisions. The days of just throwing darts against the wall and hoping that they stick I think need to be over. So I would say that would be sort of just to kind of change the way they operate, maybe remove some layers of management, just kind of get more streamlined. And then the other thing too, is like, okay, they could listen to me or not listen to me. That's fine. But if they don't get their house in order, like the activists are going to come knocking on their door and then they're going to have to listen. So that would be my words of advice. Use this as an opportunity to kind of change the way you think and change the way you manage your business. Great words of advice for the tech sector, probably for a lot of management teams facing cost of debt capital that's doubled over the past 12 months and doesn't really show a lot of signs of, of retreating in the near term. Jordan, it has been a pleasure. Thank you so much for joining me. Thank you all for listening. And we'll be back with another edition of our Credit Sites Sector Conversation soon. Thank you, Annie. Credit Sites Disclaimer. All price references correspond to the date of this recording. This podcast should not be copied, distributed, or reproduced in whole or in part. Neither Credit Sites nor its affiliates makes any representation or warranty as to the accuracy or completeness of any information contained in this podcast. Credit Sites is not providing investment, legal, accounting, or tax advice, is not providing research or making any recommendations, nor is Credit Sites offering or soliciting any transaction with respect to the purchase or sale of any security. The receipt by this listener of this podcast is not the giving of advice by Credit Sites or its affiliates.